Welcome back to the Adam Schefter podcast, the OTA portion of the podcast segments here in May as we get ready for Memorial Day weekend, a sure sign that summer is coming and football is inching closer and closer. Today, we will be joined by one of the Jets' newest receivers, a man who worked with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. He came into the league as an undrafted free agent in 2018 before spending five years with Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, where he had 169 catches for 2,236 yards, 20 touchdowns. And this offseason, he signed a four-year, $44 million contract with the New York Jets. Alan Lazard will be here today to discuss his new life in New York with his old quarterback from Green Bay. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Adam today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Adam. And of course, there's not a lot of football news at this time, but 20 OTAs are getting underway this week. So there will be things that trickle in. The owners meetings are happening in Minneapolis. There'll be news from there, though no updates on the sale of the commanders. That's still is a little ways off as they continue to work through the financing of the man, Josh Harris, who has a purchase agreement in place with Tanya and Dan Snyder, the soon-to-be former owners of the Washington Commanders, will await an update on the progress of that sale, which still is a little ways away from happening, but the owners meet this week in Minneapolis. We also mentioned OTAs convening. How about the Baltimore Ravens bringing back Josh Johnson? Their former backup quarterback in two other stints, he's played for a record 14 NFL teams, which is really remarkable when you think about it. Josh Johnson getting another crack in Baltimore to go in with the Baltimore Ravens. And to me, the most enjoyable sports story of the weekend was watching Michael Block, a club pro in the PGA Championship, was watching live on Sunday when he holed out 151 yards Right in the hole. Like I've seen hole in ones before, but never directly into the cup where you damage the side of the cup in a PGA championship. And can you imagine being a club pro and going through all that he does to get, first of all, into this tournament? And then once he's in the tournament, competing and then not just competing, but shining. This is a club pro. And he was giving out lessons for $125 an hour. And as Justin Ray, the great golf statistician, pointed out, it would take Michael Block 2,307 of those $125 lessons 
to make the same amount that he made this past weekend in the PGA Championship, which was close to $289,000. That was awesome. Well done. We will be rooting for Michael Block again this weekend and in the PGA Championship next year in 2024. Bravo. We are also tracking and watching the New York Jets. Has there been a bigger story this offseason than the Jets, who all of a sudden are media darlings? Hard Knocks has been calling them. I don't think the Jets would be thrilled about doing it, but Hard Knocks would love to feature the Jets. And today we are fortunate enough to get one of those Jets to feature him here on the Adam Schefter podcast, the Jets' new free agent, wide receiver, Aaron Rodgers' old target himself, Alan Lazard. Alan? Hey, Adam. How you doing? I'm good. How about you, man? Thank you for joining us today. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Nice to talk with you. I, I love the Statue of Liberty there over your right shoulder there, Alan. Do you see the Statue of Liberty there? Yeah. Right. Lovely. Then we got down, We got Manhattan right over here. I personally picked this backdrop, so thank you for enjoying it. You have outstanding taste, Alan. How much experience? <laughs> Let me ask you a question. How much experience and knowledge of Manhattan and New York City did you have before reaching agreement with the Jets? It's still at like 0.02%. Oh, really? Yeah. Like I visited the first time New York in December. And so I visited for a little bit. It was rainy. So it wasn't like, you know, I couldn't really explore as much as I wanted to and everything. And then since I've been here, I went to the Knicks game, obviously, and the Rangers game. But like, it was just like in and out. I wasn't like really in the city too much. So this weekend, it'll be like my first time I'll be able to kind of explore a little bit and get around. So the kid from Iowa still has not gotten to experience New York City the way that he wants to and the way that he will. Exactly. What What is it that you want to do there and experience, Alan? Like, because I know Aaron Rodgers right now is the king of New York, but you might be the prince because, as you <laughs> mentioned, I've seen you at the Knicks. I've seen you at the – you were at the Brooklyn Nets one time, weren't you? No, the, the Rangers. Rangers? New Jersey Devils you went to? Yep, Devils game the other night. So you're you're a man about town. Absolutely. You got to support the city. So so what is it that you still want to experience here? Oh, just everything, honestly. Just being in Manhattan, the different restaurants, the foods, especially. Like, I'm a foodie guy. I don't really. Oh, really? I don't have, like, any foods that, like, I really, like, mark off of my list. Um, so I like to experiment. I don't like spicy foods. I'll say that. But, um, yeah, just being able to try the different foods, go out a little bit, just see the the vibe of the town. Just get the feel of the people, um, really, you know, just knowing that I'm representing the whole the whole city of New York City and everything the, to get the people behind me and to understand on who I'm representing. But just to be clear, had you ever spent any time here before winding up with the Jets? December. December is my first time. I was here for like three, four days. And what did you do then? And what stood out about that trip? Um, that trip, I went and visited my friend who was actually a, a tattoo artist. So I went and visited him. He actually gave me a tattoo. Um, so that's kind of like more the more the um, the premise around that trip and everything. And yeah, it was kind of bad weather at that time, too. So we didn't really get out. You know, it was kind of cold, uh, rainy and stuff. So we ate, ate at a few spots in Brooklyn. And then, yeah, I got my tattoo. Then I had to get back home for the finish of the season. And so let me ask you this. You wind up with the Jets. When did you know this offseason that there was a realistic chance that you were going to be a New York Jet? And how connected to Aaron Rodgers were you during that situation? 
the first inclination I thought of making the transition to New York City to go to the Jets was when Hackett got hired. So when he got hired back in January, I believe, um, instantly put them on my radar just because of the relationship I have with Hackett over the years and everything. I knew that if he was going to go to another team, um, that team would be high up on my list just because from my experience in Green Bay, I've learned as much as success you have on the field, you know, it's the day-to-day, it's the Monday through Saturday going to work with those people um, that makes it really enjoyable and and it makes that grind worth it. And with my time with him in Green Bay and in Jacksonville, you know, he's someone I knew what I'd be getting out of him from a coaching perspective and from just a friendship and just um, how he's been a a huge staple in my life, uh, just helping me kind of grow into who I am today and everything. So when he when he first got the the job out here, you know, it definitely piqued my interest. And then um, when I was out in L.A. training this offseason, I was at Proactive. Um, Aaron happened to be at Proactive as well. And so it made communicating a little bit easier that way. And just kind of, you know, I let him do his whole darkness thing. And he came back and kind of, just, you know, he gave me the little tidbit of what he was thinking and everything. So it gave me more of a a, a promise, I guess, to kind of lead towards this way. You know, why would I not want to stay with Aaron, especially the connection that I have with him over the past few years and knowing the offense and the language is going to stay the same. So I've been very extremely fortunate to have the same OC and quarterback pretty much my entire career in the NFL. And so I figured it would be doing myself a disservice to go any other way, but that way. So you're training with him in L.A. while everybody's wondering about his future. So you. Yes had a unique perspective. Is there a part of you that is able to sit back and kind of be entertained by all the speculation, knowing that you have truly the inside track that somebody like me would be envious of? <laughs> um, yes, actually. Um, but, you know, I, I've, I've it's been humorous for me for, for several years now being in Green Bay and just kind of just getting in the NFL and just seeing what's reported on TV and then kind of just knowing the, the full story um, behind the scenes and everything whatever it's involving me or other people and whatnot. So, so yeah, I mean, during that time period, um, there was obviously a little bit of speculation and uncertainty um, just because nothing's signed and sealed at that point. Um, But I had pretty good faith that things wouldn't fall through. And how has it worked out so far? Obviously it's still relatively new. You're in the honeymoon phase, but how would you assess how this move has happened for an Iowa guy to leave Green Bay to wind up in the Big Apple. It's been great. It's been great, man. Um, the team, you know, especially my receiver room, I feel like um, everyone's embraced me um, and I've embraced everyone else. Just kind of getting to know those guys and get out, getting out there on the field. It's a little bit different this year. Um, like I said, I've been in this offense for so long. I've spoke this language um, and know the terminology very well. So I'm kind of trying to switch my – um, my cap, so to speak, and kind of put my coaching cap on and give these guys my little tidbits on on what I used um, in certain plays and certain routes and spacing and stuff like that. Um, then also, you know, what Aaron prefers and kind of what he's thinking um, in this stuff, because at the end of the day, the coaches can sit up there and talk about the X's and O's and lines on paper. But yeah. um, at the end of the day, you know, it matters how we execute it out there on the field. And if we're on the same page and we're able to do very special things, especially when You have Aaron Rodgers at the helm. You say special things, right? He comes into New York. Last season was a good season. It was not an MVP-type season. What are your expectations for him in this offense 
this season, Alan? Uh, you know, I think just with his caliber of play, um, the talent that we have on this team, there's no other reason why we shouldn't aim anything less than the Super Bowl. Um, you know, with, with his capability, obviously he didn't have his best year, um, yeah. you know, but you're also comparing that to two back-to-back -back MVP seasons previously before that. So it's natural to have a, have a decline, so to speak, um, to have um, a dip in your game, but just to, to know, knowing him personally and just his competitive nature um, and him making this whole transition, I'm expecting to see a, a, a new 12 than I have ever seen before. And you know him well, and you spend time with him, and we're just watching on TV, right? Yeah. I mean, I would call him, but I can't. So I've seen from him that it certainly looks like he looks really happy. Um, yeah, it's definitely been night and day. And even when we were going to the Knicks game, um, you know, a few weekends ago and everything, just getting to the city and kind of the whole transition was – was still um, very fresh at that at um, at those times. Me and him were both just kind of looking at each other, just like kind of pinching pinching ourselves, like, "Is this really happening? Like, are we really here in New York City?" Just because New York City and Green Bay are polar opposites, and you know him more so than me. It's like you know, he's been doing that for eighteen years, going to Green Bay every off season, um, you know, living that life, and to be here in New York City when you have so much more things to do. Um, so many more people to run into, so many more connections to make. Um, it's just it's just night and day. And so it's just been an a amazing experience. What has been your assessment so far of the talent that you've seen on the roster? Guys like Garrett Wilson. Uh, unbelievable. You know, obviously it's a very young team. That's kind of what drew me to this team is knowing that a lot of young guys here and that that means they're going to be good for a substantial amount of time. Or at least I know that's what the organization is building the the team for and everything. So um, the talent is endless in our room, um, especially the wideout room. But it's really endless across the board. There's a reason why um, they were six and two, six and three, or something like that um, the season last year, and and had every right and should have made it to the playoffs. You know, I think they lost their last six games, so mm -hmm. they're right there. It's nothing to get another win or two to get over that hump. And once you get into the playoffs, it's all about you know, just showing up and performing. So that's the the um that's the history and experience that Aaron, I, and Cobb especially have is playing in those January, late January games and everything. So we're trying to bring that mindset and mentality and, and implement it here with these guys. And you mentioned Super Bowl here already. Is that too much for Jet fans to hope for this year? I don't see why not. I don't see why not. Um, you know, that's just where we come from, honestly if we're being truthful. So that was always our mindset in Green Bay is the Super Bowl or bus, so to speak, you know, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that mindset. So for us, it's going to be, why, why would we, why would we, why would we lessen our expectations just because mm -hmm. we're changing to a new team and everything? Um, we obviously never achieved that goal, but we also did a lot of great things, historical things um, in Green Bay over the last four years and everything. So we just want to keep that same mindset, that same goal, and go out there and attack it. Allen, very tough conference. Lots of great quarterbacks. Really good, really good conference. Better D. Better defense. <laughs> <laughs> we got Coach, Coach Sala. Um, the defense, you know, it, it, I think we're returning everyone for the most part. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, that was another thing that I, I really respected with, with Coach. Um, just how he conducted that San Francisco defense back in 2019 and to see how he's implemented that same mentality and aggressiveness 
into the Jets defense over the past few years. And the only thing that's kind of been missing um, from to put the put the full piece together is just to be able to have a game manager. Now that we have Aaron back there and everything, you know, I'm expecting Coach to unleash his dogs up there on the front line and um, you know, hopefully we'll be able to light up the scoreboard and <laughs> keep them out of the end zone. And what have you noticed about the defense during OTAs? Whatever you can. What have, what stood out about that unit to you? They're just, you know, uh, the camaraderie. You know, they're they're unified as one unit. You know, CJ Mosley, he's really holding it down. Quincy, um, Whitehead, those guys are just being the leaders out there and kind of conducting everything and, and making sure everyone's um, doing the drills right, executing um, their responsibilities, and just going out there and working hard. You know, we're still at obviously the very beginner stage of this season and OTAs and everything, so nothing's like too intense, but this is a great time just to focus on details and to lay that foundation. A couple of Green Bay questions. Number one, how is Jordan Love going to fare this year from what you've seen in him from him in previous years? Yeah, Jordan took huge strides last year, huge strides. You know, the first two years um, when he was there, um, if this situation would have presented itself, I, I would think um, a lot differently. But I, I've always believed in Jordan. You know, I, I've I've seen his abilities, um, what he's capable of, and it's all about just putting it together and being consistent. And obviously being behind Aaron for three years, um, you're going to pick up some some game naturally. And, you know, whether it be just from a mental side or just from that um, physical side of the game. Um, and I think he's done both. And I, I think he's handled that that position that he's been put into very well and professional. So, you know, they they have um, a lot of good weapons around him still there. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure Coach LaFleur will put him in the best position to succeed. And it'll just be up to Jordan to go out there and execute. And he, I, I think he's more than capable of doing that. You mentioned also being a foodie. What's it like to be a foodie in Green Bay, Alan? It's tough. It's yeah. very tough. You know, thankfully, I had a chef, Chef Dave. Shout out, Chef Dave. You know who you are. Holding it down. Um, and Bobby. Bobby T, thank you. Um, but, yeah, Chef Dave was amazing. I had him this last year and a little bit the year before that, um, that he was always going out and getting fresh ingredients, cooking. And Adam. I got to give a shout out to Adam, who's our um, head nutritionist in the facility in Green Bay that he always made the sure the the food in the food in the facility was amazing. I'll argue till I turn blue in the face that the Green Bay, I won't say had the best food, but I would say top two or three in the league easily. Really? Easily. I mean, steak, oh, we're getting um halibut, we're getting crab, we're getting seafood uh etouffee. Like we're he's he's mixing it up and it's not just like the cheap version. It's it's the high quality stuff. So I always appreciate just um, the foods that Adam would have for us. And what about Chef Day? Was he in your house? Would he bring over meals? How did that work? So Robert Tunyon actually hired him as a full-time yeah. chef um, and everything. So I was just fortunate enough to kind of sneak in with Robert and like be able to get um, meals on the side. He Because it'd be easier for him to kind of cook for just more than one person. Yeah. And so I would get um, meals to go with him um, every day, pretty much every day throughout the season. Is that one secret? as to how somebody who goes undrafted, who is in Jacksonville for one year, finds his way to Green Bay, and then turns it into a huge contract in New York. Like, there have to be ways and things that you've done as an undrafted free agent that made you stand out and shine the way that you have in the NFL. What are the secrets? Is nutrition a big part of that, Alan? Is is it work ethic? What is the secret sauce there, basically? 
<laughs> I don't think there's anything secret sauce. Um, it's a lot of hard work. Um, that's for sure. Um, it's a lot of patience and just seizing the opportunity, you know, and when you get to the off the field stuff, as far as your nutrition, um, your rehab, your regen, um, and just making sure that you're staying with the right people um, and not getting distracted and um, misled to the wrong crowd are things that um, that definitely help that. But, you know, I think it's a multitude of just kind of, for me, it was just changing small things here and there. You know, when I first got to Green Bay, it was watching guys like Aaron, Devontae, Mercedes, David mm-hmm. Bakhtiari. How are those guys operating in the building? I just wanted to mimic them because whatever they were doing, it clearly worked for them to get to that second contract and be able to have success. So for me, I've always just been someone that has just sat back on the wall, observed the room, see how see how the successful people are working, and just try to mimic that the best way I can. And now I'm here. <laughs> well, and what did you pick up from them? What was one of the biggest lessons that you learned from these guys who have conducted their business at the highest levels for a great deal of time? Um, The biggest thing I learned, the thing, the thing that stood out the most to me was that they didn't really have time limits on things. So like when it came to the weight room and stuff, you know, those guys were always kind of the last guys to leave. You know, they always had their extra stuff that they want to hit. And it may just be a few abs. It may be some more upper body, maybe stretching more. It may be some band work. But I always remember seeing those guys, um, especially early in my career in Green Bay. Those guys were like kind of last guys to leave the locker or to leave the weight room. Those are guys kind of last guys to leave the locker room because they're staying in the meetings a little bit longer just to take a few more notes. Those are guys that are on the field um, get, get, getting their extra work in before and after practice. So it's just little things that those guys did that I noticed everyone else really wasn't doing as much as them. And so that kind of just like stuck with me as far as, you know, why those guys are the way they are. Al, my last thing before I let you go, and I thank you for the time, is I want you to flash ahead in your mind to Monday night, September 11th. September 11th in New York is, I mean, it's it's a huge emotional deal. It's very significant. You're going to be playing your first game as a New York Jet with Aaron as your teammate once again in New York on a momentous day. What do you think will be going through your mind that night as you're going on to the field at MetLife and as that game is about to kick off on ESPN? I, I don't even know if it's on ABC. Um, yeah, there'll be a lot of things going through my mind. Obviously, the exterior things being September 11th in New York City. Um, and just the the history behind that and, and what it means. You know, for me, I'm someone who's always honored and, and loved and um, really put on a pedestal the guys that are able to go out there on the front line, whether it be for the Army, the Marines, you know, um, healthcare workers, firefighters, police officers, those people, those first responders, um, to be able to go out there and make the sacrifices they do so we can just play this game on Monday night. Um, so that, that'll, that'll be definitely going through my mind, but even more so is just the journey. You know, I think I usually take the national anthem, the the time before the kickoff, just kind of reflect. Hmm. And just the journey that I've been on. My first Monday night game was versus the Lions back in 2019, week six. And that was when I got my first catch and first touchdown. And, you know, I've really, you know, made the transition since then. So um, those are things I'll be going through my mind, you know, having Aaron beside me, having Randall beside me, being in New York City, being a part of a new team, a new number, um, it'll just be me to have a lot of gratitude, a lot of just humility and just being a, able to try to take in the moment for what it is. Will there be also a moment to think about the journey in terms of where you've arrived at professionally 
You were a big-time free agent. You land the big-time contract. Nobody gave you anything. You're an undrafted free agent from Iowa State, and here you are in the position you are. Will that be a part of the reflection in your mind that opening Monday night? Absolutely, absolutely, especially the Iowa State part of just being undrafted and then – you know, Brees gets drafted in the second round last year. You get Will McDonald in the first round this year. Um, so just to kind of be able to reflect on my journey and just the the transition and the progress the university and program has made at Iowa State and to be able to kind of represent them, represent my hometown, represent Iowa as a state um, in the big city. You know, I represent – I try to take as much pride um, in representing where I'm from and, and who – who I come from as much as possible. So to be able to do it in New York city um, and, and be able to represent Iowa and Iowa state even more. So that's a lot of pride I have and I can't wait to do it. And what about that connection? What are jet fans going to see from Brees Hall in his comeback from the ACL and from the first round draft pick, Will McDonald? They're going to see Iowa state at its, at its finest, you know, um, <laughs> hard work, determination, um, perseverance, leadership, and winning, winning culture. Hey, Alan, I really appreciate you taking some time. Thank you very much. Good luck this upcoming season. Uh, awesome to have you today. I can see why you got to where you are. Thanks, Adam. I appreciate it. And so there is the former Green Bay Packers wide receiver, the man who spent five years there, who's now hoping to produce the same, if not better, numbers with the New York Jets, who signed him to a four-year, $44 million contract during the first week of free agency. All right. It's the off season. And so we've got some activities planned. We are recording this Monday morning and we are recording it Monday morning because I need to go pick up my daughter at school and get her to the airport so we could fly out to Las Vegas for her to do a promotional shoot for Nickelodeon. Again, for those who don't know, she does interviews during the season on a great show called Slime Time. And she's on that show with Nate Burleson and Young Dylan, who is an incredible talent, and Mia Burleson and George Johnson and a whole cast of characters. Well, Nickelodeon owned by CBS. CBS has the Super Bowl this year. Super Bowl is in Las Vegas. And so CBS is sending out a bunch of its people this week to shoot promo shoots in Las Vegas that they can run all season long in preparation for the upcoming Super Bowl. So fortunately, uh, daughter's honored to be going, and I drew the travel car because I am her travel partner. So we are off this afternoon to Las Vegas, to which she's never been, and I will watch her spend two days shooting promos for Nickelodeon while I have to do ESPN's NFL Live from ESPN's Las Vegas studio, which I've never been to, but they do the Daily Wager and other betting shows out of Las Vegas, and so I'll be venturing to the studio there. Tuesday afternoon to shoot while my daughter is doing her own shoot. And that should be a lot of fun. This comes on the heels of a weekend little trip to Foxborough, Massachusetts. Her going to the Taylor Swift show, taking her there with my wife. And uh, fortunately, we were able to get seats up close. And she was able to be in the vicinity of the great Taylor Swift, who, by the way, when we were at this concert on Saturday night, it wasn't raining, it was a deluge. It was pouring. It was coming down in buckets to the point that when we got back to the hotel, I've never had this experience, I don't think. My clothes were completely sopped through. They could have just come out of the washing machine. That's how wet we all were. And Taylor Swift, much respect, mad props 
for performing close to three and a half hours in a driving rainstorm and wind. At one point, she sat down to play the piano. I've never seen this before. And she literally was sweeping the buckets of water off the piano so that she could play it for the people going nuts in the stands. And she said during the show, her first ever concert in the rain was in that stadium, in Gillette Stadium. But this was unlike any concert she had ever played in. It was unlike any concert that I think most people have sat through. And she herself said it was the rainiest rain show that ever rain showered ever, ever, ever. That's her exact quote. And I could confirm that because my clothes were completely drenched. My daughter was drenched. But wow, mad respect for going through that. I would not be able to do that. Taylor Swift, much tougher than I am. Also, speaking of toughness, again, just sharing the story because I think it's kind of cool. So we have five dogs, five Labradoodles, and one of them gets very possessive around bones. That's Bailey. So when Bailey has a bone, you don't want to go near Bailey. You risk her wrath. Our two youngest puppies are named Apple and Brady. And Apple is a spitfire and Brady's her big brother. And Brady's very chill, laid back. Well, last week, Bailey had a bone. Apple went near her and Bailey attacked in our kitchen. And I'm watching this, the noises of which give you the chills and wondering how to basically break them apart in the middle of a nasty dog fight. And lo and behold, big brother Brady jumps up and jumps on Bailey and pins her to the ground, laid back, chilled out. Brady coming to the rescue of his sister, his twin sister, Apple. I was so touched and blown away by Brady's demonstration of toughness. Five dogs, nasty fight over a bone, and brother Brady to the rescue of his sister, Apple. Very impressive to see. Mad respect for Brady. So we've got a week in which Michael Block was unbelievable. Taylor Swift was unbelievable. And our Labradoodle Brady demonstrated great courage in defending his sister, Apple. All right. I want to thank Alan Lazard for joining us on this Adam Schefter podcast. I want to thank my great producers, Sarah Abbott and Christina Buswell, for putting this podcast together. And you, the listener, for tuning in to another Adam Schefter podcast. Please join us again next week. We'll be back with more insights, interviews, information. Have a great Memorial Day weekend, everybody. Be well and stay safe.